Welcome to another David McCracken Ministries podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. I just want to share some things with you today about stirring up the gifts of the Spirit. Stirring up the gifts of the Spirit. You know, uh, if you're not stirred up after that word from Steve, then I don't know what's wrong with you, but you need to wake up from your coma. Steve has stirred us up today. I don't know about you, but do you feel stirred up in your spirit? It wasn't just Steve spoke the word. You know, that's what revelation is. It's when the word becomes alive in us. And so I want to speak today on stirring up the gifts of the spirit, stirring up the spirit. So we're going to start with some scripture. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 for those of you who know your word. You may know this scripture. We're going to start at verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone. Did you get that? Everyone. In everyone, it is the same God at work. Same Spirit. Different gifts, different working. Same God for everyone. Now get this, this is my favourite. Now to each one. To each one a manifestation of the Spirit is given. Why? For the common good. For building up the church. And to each one, not just to some of you, not just to special people, not just to people who hold a microphone, not just to people who worship on the stage, not just to people who greet at the door or who are called to uh, minister in the church, not just to people who are on staff at the church, to everyone, whether you work in a bank or a school or a shop or down the road in Nash Cafe, it doesn't matter where you are, to each one a manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. Why does Paul keep saying this? Because we've got to get the message, people. Different gifts, same Spirit. There's not different Holy Spirits. It's the same Spirit of God. Now, where was I up to? Ah, to another, miraculous powers. Woo! to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. My first point I want to make today is that the gifts of the spirit are for every believer. It says in Acts, repent and be baptized and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Not you might, you will. You know, the Holy Spirit, yes, is for us. The Spirit resides in us. Counselor, comfort, friend, direction. But the Spirit is also for a manifestation. That's the evidence of the spiritual that we can't normally see that is invisible. It becomes evident. It becomes visible because we see the demonstration of it. And it, for, it is for each believer. I want to read another scripture here in Romans 12, verse 6 to 8. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. 
If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith, not with Pastor Stephen's faith, your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. You know, this is something for every believer. There are gifts given by God which are a grace given to us. Some call them talents. doesn't matter what you call them. It's the same thing. It's an expression, an evidence of something God deposits within us that then expresses through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And why is it given? In Acts 1, I think Pastor Stephen said this um, scripture when he was exhorting us at the start, which was... um, just had a mental blank there. You will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. Why? To be witnesses. You know, the Spirit doesn't come upon us just so that we can look fancy or have a special gift. It's so that we can proclaim the kingdom of God with power and authority. That is what the gifts of the Spirit are for, to proclaim the kingdom of God. The gift witnesses of the testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It testifies that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? Because when people see the evidence of those gifts, they cannot but accept the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what the gifts are for. And when I was praying about this message, I really felt something Father laid on my heart, which was this scripture in 1 Timothy 4 verse 14. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Now, when I read that scripture, God highlighted to me the do not neglect your gift part. Now, you may not have had laying on of hands by elders, but the principle is still the same. Because God gives each one a gift, we can neglect our gift. And there's, there's a few ways. And that word neglect can actually mean to overlook, to disregard, to flat out ignore, or even just to omit by carelessness. And I think the sad thing is in the body of Christ that too many believers have actually overlooked their gift and a lot of the times that happens through misunderstanding. People, people think, oh, the gifts aren't for me. Oh, they're not for everyone. Or perhaps, oh, that was just back in the days of Jesus. But that's not the truth. Paul is speaking to the church, the body of Christ. The gifts are for every believer. They are for now. And we mustn't fail to notice the very thing that God has deposited right in front of us. Sometimes it's like God's left a shiny new red car in the driveway and we're just walking past it every day. For others of us, perhaps we've overlooked our gift because we don't like it in comparison to someone else's gift. Ooh. None of us, of course. But we can even disregard the gifts because we think it might take a bit too much sacrifice to lean into that or we know God is calling us to something and we don't want to pursue that. You know, we can even ignore or outright reject the gifts. Now, you might think when I say that, oh, yes, all us spiritual people wouldn't do that. Well, I'm going to admit something to you today. There was a time a number of years ago where I actually rejected a gift. I'm not proud of it. I have since repented of it. 
But I actually had a season of time where God was giving me the gift of discernment. I hadn't actually even asked for it. It just started happening and I was discerning things. And I was actually in a number of situations that were quite full on and dramatic, including confronting some demonic stuff um, and even had to confront people about stuff. And it just wasn't pretty. And I actually had a big complaint at God. (laughs) Just being vulnerable here. I did. I had a big complaint at God. It's not that I actually wanted an upfront gift because even though I'm holding the microphone today, I never really desired anything like that. But I would have just preferred something that wasn't quite so full on, actually. I'm like, I'm quite happy to serve or to give or to do some of these other things. I'm happy to stay in the background and, you know, do all this other stuff, Lord. But can I have another gift? I had to actually, I actually said, I don't want this gift. I have repented of it. But I said that. And we can, without realizing it, we can reject the gift of God. This is the truth. We can reject the gift simply because we think, oh, this is, this is too much cost. This is too much cost. But Jesus didn't call us to live an easy life. He called us to take up our cross and follow him. Follow him. You know, and sometimes neglecting our gift isn't as serious as just outright doing what I did and saying I don't want it. But do you know what? You don't have to reject your gift in order to neglect your gift. You do not have to reject your gift in order to neglect your gift. Just like anything, whether it be your health, your car, a house plant, a building maintenance. Do you know how neglect often happens? Day by day, little by little. We kind of just leave it on the shelf for something that maybe I'll do when I'm feeling a bit more spiritual instead of actually stirring it up every day. Stir, stirring it up. What does it actually mean to stir up? How do we do that? Well, I'm going to go into that because the scripture tells us to stir up the gifts. Stir up the gifts. Stir up the gifts says in 2 Timothy 1.6, therefore I remind you, this is the New King James Version, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. In the NIV it says fan into flame. So how do we actually stir up these gifts? Well, part of it Steve just talked about. Powerfully. How do you stir it up? The Word of God. The Word of God. But you can specifically stir up your gifts. And if we look at the example of Jesus, I believe this is one of the best ways to do this. Because if you start reading through the Gospels with an eye to understand what the gifts are and what Jesus is operating in, you will start to have your eyes opened. If you say, okay, what does the gift of wisdom look like? You know, most of the time it doesn't say Jesus then spoke with wisdom. But we have to have our spiritual eyes opened to see that when the woman who who had committed adultery was brought in front of him and Jesus was silent, the silence was wisdom. But then when he did speak, he spoke with a message of wisdom. You who are without sin cast the first stone. It doesn't tell you that Jesus just operated in the gift of wisdom. But if you look to see, if you listen to hear, 
The word speaks. The word will speak. So how do we stir it up? What does that look like? You know, when I was praying about this, God brought a scripture to mind and I thought, yeah, I thought that was going to happen. John 14 verse 12. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me. Is that you? Do you believe in him? Come on, do you believe in Jesus? Okay, so let's read it again. Very truly, he's making an emphasis. Yep, this might sound strange, but this is true. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater than these because I am going to the Father. Why does Paul talk to us about the gifts of the Spirit and how they work in unity with the body, all the body, the members working together? Why? Because Paul believed the truth. He believed the truth that every member can and should be stirring up the gifts, that every single person should be operating in at least one gift. Parable of the talent, given five and two and one, or parable of the bags of gold, depending on on what version you're reading in at Matthew 25. We are all given at least one gift. And guess what? They can be multiplied. If you use the five you have, you'll get five more. Maths, that equals 10. That's a lot of gifts when you read those scriptures. Use your two, you're going to get another two. The one who didn't use his, who neglected, I said his, but you know, (laughs) his or her gift, well, they got it taken off him. But if he had have used his one, he would have ended up with two. And then the two could have become four. And the four could have become eight. When was the last time you read the Gospels with the thought of, okay, Jesus operated in these gifts. What would that look like if I started to expect more? More than I currently am operating in. What would it start to look like if I started to step out in faith more? If I stopped stepping back or pulling back out of fear and started stepping out. What's the worst that can happen if I go up and evangelize to this person? What's the worst that can happen? They might reject it. Is that the worst thing in your life? No, it's not. The worst thing in your life would be living a life without Jesus. So if you've got Jesus, there is nothing worse in your life because you've got the best. And that's all there is to it. And too often we back out of using the gifts of the Spirit because of one thing, fear. Fear of man usually. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, particularly with the gifts of the Spirit that have anything to do with giving a word which we often lump under what we call prophetic, but is essentially a divine revelation from God that we could not know any other way except if the Holy Spirit dropped it into our heart. And we pull back in fear, or what if it's wrong? Do you know what? If you, if you want to start stirring up the gifts... Let me give you a clue. You may sometimes get it wrong. This is no guarantee of getting it right. But you have no guarantee of getting it right ever unless you actually step out. David McCracken has a great saying. He says, everyone wants to walk on water, but no one wants to get out of the boat. Isn't that so true? Oh, I'd love to give a prophetic word. Oh, I'd love to have a word of knowledge for that person. Oh, I'd love to see healing. I'd love to see miraculous powers at work. 
Well, when was the last time you stepped out and, and did something? When was the last time you prayed and prayed again? And it doesn't matter if you didn't see them healed, but then you prayed again for another person. And then you evangelized again to another person. And then you asked for a word of encouragement for another person and texted them. When was the last time we did it? Because unless we start stirring it up day by day, starting with our thoughts, you know, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, eagerly desire, we've heard that a couple of times today, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. But we can't eagerly desire something and pursue something unless we're actually doing something about it. And I believe there's three ways we can do it. And Steve's already covered one way, so I'm not even going to go there. But we have to stir it up in thought first. We have to think about the gifts. Meditate on them. When you read the word, meditate on the gifts. Study them. Pursue them. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. That means our motivation has to be love. Love for others. Love to build up the church. But I think there's a bit of a hidden meaning there. Follow the way of love. Think about, for those of you who are married or perhaps got a girlfriend or boyfriend, when you are in love, you think about them all the time. When you love a sport, you think about when, it's, when your team's going to be playing next on the weekend. When you love gardening, you're thinking about when you can get back in the garden. It doesn't matter what it relates to. Following the way of love means stirring up a hunger and a desire so that the things of the Spirit are in our minds. It's not, it doesn't start with the action. It actually starts with our thoughts. And then it starts with our words. And Steve has powerfully spoken on the word today, so I'm not going to go into that at all. But you have to then speak out in agreement with what the word says. We know the scripture about the power of confession. Life and death is in the power of our tongue. If you are constantly telling yourself, either out loud or in your thoughts, I can't do this, or this is too much for me, or I'm not sure if God wants me to do this, or I'm not sure if this is actually my gift then you are never going to step out in the power of the Spirit because you are controlling, you are, you are squishing down the power of the Spirit with your logic. And your logic is not in alignment with the Word. And when your logic stays in alignment with your self-fear rather than the Word, you will continue to neglect your gift. You can only stir up your gift when you come into alignment with the Word. Come into alignment and let your words come into alignment. Tell yourself, I am a believer. Therefore, I have been given spiritual gifts. So today, pray it out. Ask for them. God, I ask for your gifts. I ask you to give me a word for someone, a word of encouragement. I ask that you would, if you know you've got a gift of serving or of giving, Lord, is there someone who needs something today? Would you give me a, a divine word that this person is in need? Give me a divine word. Every gift there, even when it doesn't look like it's about hearing from God, operates with the Spirit. Serving, where can I serve? Giving, where can I give? Encouraging, where can I encourage? And that's when the power of the Spirit's at work. Not just when you do it in the natural and go, oh, well, I think I have a gift of serving, so I'll just serve here. And then you sit, sit quietly and do, do your little thing. Sure, that's great, but you've got to do it in the power of the Spirit. And that comes when we ask for it. 
We have to ask, stir it up, and then you have to action it and position yourself to be ready for every prompting. Now, sometimes stirring up the Spirit and hearing from the Spirit can be a bit ambiguous. So I've actually got a bit of a visual demonstration today. Um, props, I know, this is my first prop, so woo for props. Can someone actually bring carry this over, maybe somewhere over here? But I actually want to give you a demonstration of what happens when the Holy Spirit drops a thought into our spirit. Because our spirit is always alive. Our spirit never dies, okay? Our spirit is eternal, but our spirit can be jolly dormant. It can be dormant. It's not dead, but it's sitting pretty still. Okay, and the reason I've got this here is because I want to demonstrate what happens when the Holy Spirit drops a thought into our spirit. Now, if we don't really believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for us, I have a little prop here. This is my, this is my um, demonstration of a thought from the Holy Spirit. You just have to use your imagination, okay? It's just what worked with the prop. And when the Holy Spirit drops a thought into your spirit, if you have not stirred up your spirit, if you do not believe that what God says is true, watch what happens when I drop this in. Nothing. It's just going to sit there. In fact, if we leave it sit there long enough, it'll just get waterlogged and it'll actually just sink to the bottom. But nothing happens. Why? Because our spirit's not actually ready for it. Our spirit's not ready for the word. It's just going to sink to the bottom and that prompting that we receive to give, to speak, to go, to serve, to encourage is just going to sink. It sunk. Nothing happened with it. Why? Because our spirit was dormant. I have to get wet now. When we start to stir up our spirit, when we start to believe what the word says, when the word speaks and we come into alignment with it, when we say, I receive your gifts, Lord, I believe that every believer has a gift. I believe I have a gift. I believe I can speak by divine inspiration to other believers. I believe I can become a part of the body of Christ that functions not just on a Sunday, but on a Monday and a Tuesday. This is what we do to our spirit. We stir. Now, we're not the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't take this analogy the wrong way. This is not power. This is us stirring ourselves up. You would have felt it this morning when we worship together, when we speak in tongues. Every time we do that, we are stirring ourselves up. We are stirring. Now the Holy Spirit comes along and drops a thought in. What happens? And we're like, whoa, what's that? Okay, um, there's a thought. Oh, I think I'm supposed to text Kim, Kim. Hey, Kim, I feel this scripture for you. It's on peace. I just really pray that you have a peaceful day today. And Kim was so stressed out at work. And no, you're not stressed because you have the peace of God. But Kim was really encouraged by that word. And all you've done is listen. And it's like, oh, it's still going. Oh, I actually think I'm supposed to give to someone. Do you, are you guys in need? I just really feel to give you a gift today. It doesn't matter what it is. And do you know what? It's still moving. And our spirit is not like this water. Obviously, this water is going to go back to still pretty soon. But every day when we stir ourselves up in the spirit, every day when we stir our spirit up by speaking in tongues, by coming into alignment with the word, by actually leaning into the gifts of the spirit, but also even learning about the gifts of the spirit, 
we are stirring our spirit up. We are stirring it up so that every time the Holy Spirit wants to drop something in there, there is movement. There is action. We're not dormant. We are ready. It's being receptive to receive what God is saying. And then those thoughts can actually take action because we're ready. We're ready to receive. And because we've come into alignment with the word, we can deliver whatever God has given us in alignment with his word, which is truly important. I just want to finish up briefly by talking very quickly about a few gifts of the spirit that we often get confused about when we talk about the prophetic and prophecy and, oh, I think I have a word of prophecy. You know, the prophetic is a generalized term used to describe things. Um, And again, David McCracken has a great terminology for the prophetic, being that every believer can be prophetic, which is hearing from God clearly and communicating it or delivering it accurately. That's what it means to live a prophetic life. And every believer can and should have that. Hear from God clearly and communicate accurately. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a gift of prophecy though. You see, if you feel a scripture for someone or you just feel to pray for them or send them a text or call them, we would consider that a word of encouragement because prophecy is a gift, particularly pertains to things spoken for the future for the kingdom of God. Things pertaining to, and we use the word foretelling, which has been misused, of course, in the occult and in the psychic world, because Satan obviously likes to pervert things that were intended by God. But prophecy, particularly when we talk about a word of prophecy and also what prophets bring, prophets will often bring a corporate prophetic word to the church. But a word of prophecy usually pertains to things that are going to happen. A word of knowledge pertains to things that either are currently happening or have already happened in the past. And a word of wisdom pertains to a spiritual supernatural wisdom to cut through the confusion of an event or circumstance that could perhaps otherwise not be understood or decided. And so it's actually good to understand that kind of terminology, just so that when you feel like God's giving you a gift or you're asking for a gift, we're not misusing the gift. If God's given you a gift of encouragement, that's awesome. But Paul actually says everyone can desire prophecy. I love that. Why? Because he wants everyone to be proclaiming the kingdom of God, particularly what's coming. I think that's exciting. And so we can all stir that up. We can all encourage ourselves in those things. Now, I've got a quote here. I was reading a book on the anointing by T. Austin Sparks, and I just loved it, so I had to put it in here. He says, anointing is for every member of the house of God to fulfill a divine appointment in the work to which God calls them while they are here on earth. Anointing is both possible and necessary, and it is for all. Don't you love that? It is both possible and necessary. You know, ask God for the anointing. Ask Holy Spirit for the anointing. You know, there's a second part of this picture that I just want to share just before I close. And the second part is this. You all saw the water stirred up. 
and what a difference that made to when the Holy Spirit drops a thought in. But I wonder if, and maybe some of you still do this, when you were younger, did, did anyone ever get into a pool with a group of friends and make a whirlpool? Yes, you all know what I'm talking about. And the more people you had doing it, the stronger the current was. Well, this is actually an image of corporate anointing. And the wonderful and powerful thing is, the more we as individuals stir ourselves up during the week, when we come together in the corporate we are then multiplying the effectiveness because we are ready and stirred. Now, what happens if you have half the church that's not stirred? It creates drag. Whew. It creates drag. Why, when we were here today, was there such an easy move into the presence of God? Because you're all hungry to be here. But I tell you the power of this. The power of the corporate anointing is that the more we stir ourselves up, the greater the opportunity the Holy Spirit has to minister. And then when those come in who are unsaved or perhaps not sure of their faith, boy, are they carried along on the current of the Spirit. And that is why we stir ourselves up in the Spirit. Not for us. It's not for us to look good or for us to perform like monkeys. It's to build up the church but also to give glory to God. My last scripture, which you'll probably know, is Ephesians 3, verse 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us. His power at work in us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That is the focus of why we stir up the gifts of the Spirit. To Christ be the glory and to build up the church. And a wonderful byproduct of that, and we see this all through the New Testament, is that unbelievers' lives are radically transformed. Because the gifts of the Spirit are not just for use in the church. When you start stirring up the gifts of the Spirit, they'll operate in the grocery store. And in the kitchen you work in. And in that office you work in. And with those kids you're helping during the week. That's what the anointing is for. It's not a Sunday anointing. It's an every moment anointing. Let's not be ones who neglect the gifts of the Spirit. Let's be those who stir up the gifts of the Spirit on a day-by-day basis. Thanks for listening. For more content, head to our website, davidmccracken.com. Oh.